Hello and, and broadcasting broadcast. from the beautiful central coast of California. Hey, it's us. the Doctor Death Danger Radio Show. It's been a minute since I drank it something. Alright, we're actually gonna set up. I wish there was a survive indie's lazy way for podcast stuff just to be open, but we don't have a podcast-specific studio. Oh well, that's the pain. How's it going, listeners? Welcome back to another episode of the Triple D Radio Show with your boys! Boys! James and Edward. How's it going, everybody? How are you all doing? <clears throat> well, got, I'm doing fine. How about you? Been doing good. Uh, I've <laughs> been excited to get to this show today. I'll tell you that. Well, I know we did we did the music a week ago. Yeah, we did the CR a week ago. Oh yeah, just tell us what's on the lineup. Yeah, it's timestamps. So we've got hot or not? Yes, we do. Okay, we've got. Hot oh or yeah, not. I'm like keeping you in the dark on that one. Like literally on the show when I was driving over here, I was. Oh fuck! I forgot to get it hotter. Like, God damn it! Uh, while I'm like munching a burrito, right. and, like stuffing a burrito in my face, making sure I don't eat the fucking wrapping paper, <laughs> making sure no wrapping paper sticking. But that's me. So yeah, but thankfully, Mister Hot or Not, Mister Hot or Mister Bone Steel did get us some. Or at least okay, I got cool. a message from them. Yes. Oh God. How bad is how bone steel is it? It's kind of not bone steel. Oh, I see. Well, after that, then we're continuing on with our Metallica journey with we've Death been on Mag- it for a minute. Yeah, uh, with Death Magnetic, which the shit came out when we were freshmen in high school. Yeah, I know that's a trip. That's fucking wild. Uh, that was I remember that was the year that all the all the metal, all the metal boomers were like, "Oh, this is when fucking metal." Because uh, Slayer put out a new record that year. The next year, Anthra, uh, no, Megadeth puts out Endgame. So everyone was like, "Oh, fucking trash metal's back, bro!" Oh, hey, the big four ain't putting out trash albums. Yeah, <laughs> I think that was the best way to put it. Yeah, they put out okay out. They put out good albums that yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. I was about to say okay, but I was like, you know what? I could say they put out good albums that year. Yeah, Endgame's still good. World Painted Blood's all right. Death Magnetic, I thought was. Cool. I thought, I thought World Pain and Blood was the same year as Death Magnetic. I would have to fact check that. You continue talking. Okay. But and then we've got our we've got our main event, the unsung heroes of the genre, apparently. The demigods of metal of the Canadian demigods of metal, which is actually a nickname people call them. Anvil, the story of Anvil, about the band Anvil from the eighties. That the you, band called Anvil. That you most likely did not hear about. <laughs> You've probably never heard of. Oh, yeah. World Painted Blood did come out in 2009. Oh, it was 2009? Yeah, look at okay, that. Okay, so it was the same year as Endgame then. Yeah. Okay, I thought for some reason two of the big four dropped in 2008. But anyway, yeah. I do remember hearing, though, again, from the Metal Journals that, uh, well, who was it? Carrie mm-hmm. King was pretty salty that Rick Rubin uh, worked with Metallica, who at the time Death Magnetic came out, Slay, uh, Carrie King called Metallica a sinking ship. Lol. <laughs> Lol. Wow. How, uh, how history paints a different picture. <laughs> Isn't, uh, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, but they're anyway. a sinking ship. Um, I don't think they are. <laughs> I don't think they are either. Oh, my God. But whatever. Competition can... There's a, there's a thing called healthy competition. True, true. And Slayer lost. But... <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to hit me so good. But yeah, that's going to be Kara our show. King, I think Kerry King's just kind of a fucking bald tool. Yeah, yeah, he he really is. But, but hey, Hanneman wrote great riffs, so Hanneman wrote great riffs. And I'm and I know Kerry King wrote a few good ones too, but I mean, bro, it's just I don't want to be that guy, but like once Hanneman passed away, methinks there was a bit of a talent gap left in Slayer. Yeah. Or a creative one, at least. But anyway, yeah, so what's been good with you? Fuck, busy. <laughs> well, okay, let me, let me refresh that. I got two significant things. Okay. I guess. Wait a minute. Well, today, I'm just like me getting to this podcast. I had to do like, I had to visit four customers. Thankfully, all job was like manageable and done in like under two hours. That's good. So that's not the worst. Like, deal with four customers. Obviously, if it's like, if it's four customers and like, oh, yeah, two were like an hour, but then the other two were like three hour jobs. No, no, <laughs> nothing that brutal, but still enough to like hold me back and show up late to podcasts. It's, we've been very, we're very naughty at keeping time. We'll yeah. just like go on and on and on. But other, but I'll got, I got like one for sure quick podcast story, or at least a story for the podcast. So sure. I played a show the past weekend. And like for, for me personally, it's like, eh, it's whatever a show, but I got hit up to run the sound and they asked from like my band, my personal band discrimination to play. And then, yeah, no, no. So we're playing the set and we had, it was a, it was a set where we had gear malfunction. Notes. This was not the worst set I've played. X-Fest in recent memory still holds <laughs> it. I don't know why. Yeah. It just does. Was X-Fest, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, wasn't that nocturnal or was that? Or, or was that the... That was sorry. Wizard. That was Wizard. That's right. Sorry, sorry, sorry. That was Wizard. You were there. You played it with me. Yeah, you're right. X-Fest, was, that wasn't the Rock Off thing, was it? Yes. That was Rock Off? Yeah. Yeah, that show, that show sucked. No, but here's the thing about this show where you go like, what? That show sucked. I'm like, here's, here's the thing. First, the guitar goes out. Ouch. Eventually, we figure out it was a cable, just a guitar cable. After we went through fucking everything... Because here's the thing about our equipment most of the time when we just kind of hang out in the rehearsal space. Sure. There's a little hum. There's a buzz. Mm -hmm. When that's going on, we know there's noise. There was no noise. Because at the for whatever reason, at the show, maybe I just had hearing protection. And I heard no hum or buzz. I was like, why is everything silent right now? Why did everything go silent? Oh. What the fuck? But we figured out it was, one, it was a bad guitar cable after... We verified the cables. Mm -hmm. Maybe not all of them. I think we skipped a couple steps because this literally happened the third song in. So you're stressing and you're going, dude, what the fuck is it? And I'm sitting there. It's like, I'm like, all right, my guitar player said you can figure this out. And I'm like, OK, this is taking a minute. I'll hop in, start helping get onto it. And I'm like, all right. We're not hearing any noise out of the fucking speakers. We went through like we literally put on a different guitar amp head and different speaker cable. And eventually it was, I guess this guitar cable was fucking us up the whole time. Because when we're doing diagnostics, we kept putting this guitar cable in the mix that would fuck us up. So eventually we figured out, alright, it's this fucking cable. And then we got noise again. Alright, sweet. The two songs later, the chain breaks off my kick pedal. <laughs> you fucking serious? Yes. And I'm like. I need a fucking kick pedal. What the fuck? 
holy shit and like luckily thankfully the other bands there like the other like the touring bands hooked me up with their kick pedal and i was able to finish out the set but as literally as like three songs all right cool the two songs like like literally at the end of a song it was like the fucking kick pedal went out and i'm like all right what the hell happened to this kick pedal i'm like i look at it i'm like well the change is not even attached now now is it full fuck <laughs> just disintegrated yeah which also forget. I was also and that's the thing. We like finished and played out our whole set too. Which I was like going up to the homies. I'm like, hey, was it a little selfish and not cool that we like went and played our whole set with the technical difficulties? And most of them were like, no, yeah, no, no. I thought it was cool. It was like you. It was like you guys for, for the most part. I was like, no, there was no issue. Sure. The only person that thought it was cringe, oh, no. mostly because they just said we didn't have our shit together, was the fucking Harves. Oh my god! I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> fuck you, fucking old head with your fucking roadies, piece of shit. Like, fuck you. <laughs> I'm like, literally, it's like, okay, we did fuck up on the guitar. That maybe might be cringe, but friggin', I was like, ha- I came in halfway through the diagnosis, so I would like to think someone cued me in, but no, yeah, I was yeah. not cued in. I kind of came in from scratch, and I'm like scratching halfway, so I missed a couple steps. Yeah, yeah. Fuck up on that, but fuck you on like my, my kick pedal going out. Yeah, that's, that that's just an act of God. Yeah, that just broke. And I'm like sitting there as like, oh my God, we have literally been sitting with two fucking problems in a row. This is kind of a disaster. It's like, can we get this fucking set going already? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm just sitting there as like, but I can tell you, with all those disasters, it was not the worst set I played. That's good. Played. It was more of a set of me going, all right, I'm going to fucking persevere and survive this set. I don't care. But I was sitting there as like, fuck, that was brutal. That's rough. That's pretty rough. I've been having a rough time at work, uh, not because of uh, customers and stuff. This is my story for the week, quote unquote. So we've been having a lot of rain. Well, there was a lot of rain last week that destro- yeah. that was just fucking wrecking everything. And the sewage to my workspace got all kinds of fucked up to the point to where I heard that. Um, I think I told this to you uh, off audio, but what happened was. Um, so it wasn't just that our, so our back room flooded, but it's not that it just flooded. Our pipes basic, like they're still there, but they metaphorically exploded. I had people in the back who literally like when shit went haywire, just, just shot, shot all over their clothes and them like to the point to where the company is paying them out for damage for damaged clothing so that's that's something Whoa, wait how much money are they making from this incident <laughs> i don't know like about but the this- company is paying them for the for the ruined clothes and the ruined shoes so i guess how much can- did they bitch <laughs> I don't know. Like, is it, I've had, this is I've like had sewage. Go- it's not pure, wretched sewer sewage, but it is like toilet plumbing. Yeah. So. I, I would sit there and be fucking gross. I need to disinfect things, but yeah. I'm like, I don't think I would get the, I wouldn't like, my first thing on the mind wouldn't be like, oh, I'm getting the company to pay for this. <laughs> Shit happens. Literally, right? Literally. There. Which actually, so, it's funny you mentioned that. I wouldn't that. trip, but you've told me how much freaking your coworkers are a bunch of fucking weenies. <laughs> Can and that's be just occasionally, yeah. can be, homie. They got the company to pay for new clothes and shoes. Yeah, I don't. Think, I wouldn't complain about that. I go like shit happens. That actually plays into the second part. New, whatever. I need to go get some other clothes and clean up myself. That actually plays into the second part of the story. So the property manager assured us, hey, the plumbing guys did a 
cool job, you guys. It wasn't even a week after. It wasn't even a no, no, no. It was about a week and a half removed from the shit happening where we were just where it felt like there was just no progress going for like a solid week. Then after about three ish days of work, property manager assures us, "Hey guys, for real, you guys can open. It's okay." And we're like, "I don't know," because the second rainstorm hadn't come yet. And then flash forward to. Uh, fucking the day before yesterday i think what happens again we flood again and the best part is we had some dudes come in to fix our lights they were trying to haul some machine to get upstairs in our elevator they knocked the elevator door off its track or whatever so our elevator's been down and our escalator's down we've got half our lights are working and we've got no bathrooms. Yay. <laughs> that's that's been it. But oh, wait, wait, wait. Where do you use the bathroom? Do you does the employees have a bathroom? No, we all what? have to share no, we don't have a bathroom in the back or nothing like that. We have to all share the bathroom what? with the customers. Yeah. Oh. And there's no bathroom? <laughs> no, the Are you allowed We to do have two options. Are you we allowed can, to piss in a bottle? We are allowed to go to the Starbucks across from us or we can go to the theater. Or any surrounding restaurants. So, Can yeah. you go in the back of piss in a bottle? I don't think they would be cool with that, no. <laughs> That's a fucking walk over to like go to those places and then come yeah, back. Yeah, If you're like me that consumes a good amount of water in the day, <laughs> that'd be inconvenient. <laughs> I keep a piss uh, bottle in my fucking van. Yeah, oh, there you are, do. Yeah, there are times where I will need to pee. Yeah. And there are times I don't feel like going all the way to the bathroom. It's just not... It's just... I need to pee now. Yeah. And then the last bit is this funny mention about the shoes. Um, So the shit happens. My store manager, who's on duty time, is freaking out. They're super germaphobic and shit. Um, but I'm like, hey, just keep calm. We can do this. So I'm in the back, and one of my other coworkers starting to clean up. I have a coworker come up to me. The water is there. Like, it's soaked. We're trying to clean it up, and there's shit everywhere. There's gunk everywhere. They come up to me, and they go, um... Not to be that person, I just got these Doc Martens for Christmas. I'm like, fine, I'll do it. I'm at the point. Wait, 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 wait. Are they making you mop? Mm-hmm. And they're like, I got these Doc Martens for Christmas. I'm like, what are you? Are those <laughs> boots or are those fucking Louis Vuittons? No, they're <laughs> fucking boots. You can clean them. Yeah, and so I and so literally I said it's fine. I, I said I don't care. I'll do it just because I didn't want to leave the one person back there. So yeah, I because uh, I'm gonna be honest with you, I got shit on my shoes, and you know what? You know what? I, I went home. Yeah, you could. Go I disinfected step a, them, yeah, and you, they're fine. Yeah, or you could just go step in a puddle outside and clean it off. Yeah. So yeah, that's 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 my shitty story for the. <laughs> Week. You fucking co-work. That is annoying. <laughs> I got these for Chris. I and they were got a, they these were they Chris. were a gift. I was like, they were like white too. The heels were black, obviously, but they were they were white. Damn. Like, where the what's their position in this? Co- what what what's their what's their? This uh, specific person is technically uh, the same position as me. They are a key holder, which means they can close and open the store and have managerial uh, duties and privileges. Do they sell more books than you? Uh, <laughs> um, do they do they have any ounce of leverage that makes you? Ha- 
Do they have leverage over me? No. no I'm not on personal life. I'm just saying it in the workplace. It's like, oh, that, do they yeah. pull a certain amount of weight more than you where it's like, you know what? I could pick this up. I could get it. Uh, that they could then take, take over whatever position you're doing and excel. I would say probably not, no. That was that was my day the other day. <laughs> yeah. Fun. Fun, indeed. All right. Well, I'm trying to think. I could say some other bullshit, but I think we, we're, we're pretty bad. As you and me, like, we've, like, talked to try to see if we can hunker the show down a little bit quicker. So, I guess we'll just stop hopping the hot or not. Yeah. I'll tell you what, like, my, like, add-on story later. All sure. Right, let me get the bumper. For today's hot or not, let me pull up Mr. Hot or Not. Mr. Hot or Not. Mr. Hot or Not. Jake Bone Steel. What have you got brought in us today? I have a feeling I know by the album, by the cover of this fucking, like the visual artwork for the song, but I've never listened to it. I only know about it. Mr. Hot or Not. All right. So last time when you guys were down, I was telling Edward that I was going to send him a song that James was going to hate. Oh, that's right. He did However, tell me that. I've switched gears a little bit. Oh, you if you guys really want to hear the song that I think James is going to hate, then I can send it in next week and know it's not a song that is mine. But <laughs> it's hella punk rock. I'll just put it that way. This is just a random track that I found while just scrolling on Twitter. I don't, I don't even think this dude's that big, but I like his rap name, Game Boy Jones. So anyways, check it out. That's your hot or not. Game Boy Jones. All right. So for this track by Game Boy Jones, it's called Rev It Up. Rev It Up. Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Get ready to party, guys. Let's get it. Let's party. I'm assuming the music is coming. At some point. <laughs> sorry. I'm just trying to make sure it's fucking... I want to make sure the link's like working okay. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I guess it's just gonna make me go to an external link to play the song. All right, let's hear it. Surprised it's not. Well, I guess not. That starts immediately. It sounds like someone trying to copy Death Grips. Okay. Well, uh... Okay, so, um... You remember how... Damn it. What? Oh, wait. Oh, I thought you I'll, paused it. No, I didn't. It freaking... I think I only got a snippet of it. All right, let me go to, like, all the way to Game Boy. What was it? Game Boy Jones? It was Game Boy Jones. I thought he said Gang Boy Jones Game. No, it's but Game. It's game. Yeah, dude, like Game Boy, like the fucking SD, like yeah, Game yeah, Boy yeah. Advance SD. I had the Game Boy. How was? How did you like having the Game Boy? I liked having the Game Boy. I there was a, there was a Kingdom Hearts game on it and a really underrated Crash game. I had other games on it too, but those are the ones that I remember. Uh, 
I remember the most. There's always those couple titles that like convince me to get a console, like the PSP, right? Uh, I got the PSP because I heard there was going to be a couple Metal Gear games on it. So I'm like, oh, did you find it? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I was sitting there, I was like, um, all right. Well, can I, I didn't play know it? if you, I didn't know if you found it. Well, I did. Okay, here we are. I will wait for it to come up. All right. Yeah, I don't know why. Whatever the link that f fucking Mr. Hotternot sent me, Jake Bone still trying to sabotage our show. Yeah, it just for whatever reason, the link he sent me was sending me off to an external link and only gave me a 30-second clip snippet of the song. But all right, here I it is. I stand by what I Rev said. Wrap it up with yeah. Game Boy Joe. I stand by what I said earlier. This this really gives me Death Grips vibes. I just know I wasn't. I wasn't. Well, I wasn't suspecting it to sound like this with the cover of the fucking anime Chainsaw Man or whatever. <laughs> I thought it was a Chainsaw Man song. I'm like, what the fuck? Is this a suggestive for Boat Steel's roommates? Well, he is, in, he is in his weeb phase now. Well, kind of. Well, I can tell you Game Boy Jones is kind of a fucking weeb. Like, yeah, a lot of, like, half his album, like, single covers are just anime. Or freaking anime references or related to the anime. Cool. Yeah, you can go look it up on your Spotify. <laughs> you can, you check it out. Yeah, I'll check it out sometime. Uh, okay, so I'm trying to think. Well, does so it you sound like Death Grips? Well, okay, so like, remember how last week you were like, you know, bro, this Peyton Parrish is lame. Send us more stripper fight music. This isn't stripper fight music, but uh, so is this more enjoyable than Peyton Parrish? Oh, fuck yeah. Way more enjoyable. These guys have a lot of enthusiasm. Or this guy. Yeah. Oh, let me look up. I don't know what anything he's saying means, but he sure is saying it. Well, let me read the bio of Game Boy Jones, also known as Austin IRL. Is a man that has a love for rap music and all things geeky, especially anime. Game Boy got his start in music when his friends realized he had the ability to freestyle and pushed him to try rapping. He first started entering rap contests where he did very well in one of few in very short amount of time. After a while, he shifted his focus to making cover songs, but with that his own twist, such as Save That Money. He would take whatever song he covered and make a wide array of geeky references. This led to a few early viral Facebook videos. Jesus Christ. <laughs> He's been around that long? That's fucking ancient. I don't why does that sound ancient? Face viral Facebook <laughs> videos. <laughs> that don't sound right. And that would convince him to keep pursuing music. Game Boy Jones would later be known as the creator of the song Urukai. On TikTok, the song went viral. Okay, finally. And would serve as the, an anthem for the character and my hero academia fans alike. However, the song is older and not reflective of Game Boy's music today, but still serves as a sign of how far he has come. Now, after making a sound and style for himself, Game Boy Jones now makes songs inspired by anime instead of staying very close to the source material. You can find him on YouTube, Spotify, and other streaming platforms. If you really want to get a feeling on who Game Boy Jones is, you should check out... Really my type, Tengen Uzi, <laughs> Heat Up, Freeze Up. Heat Up, Freeze Up. 
So yeah, this dude uh, likes to do a song. He likes to do like I guess his second most streamed song on Spotify is Uchiha Uzumaki, which is just about Naruto and Sasuke. Yep. Talk about a drop off though. The 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 Uraraka song, the my the my hero ones at like four million streams. The Uchiha Uzumaki one goes down to four hundred and seventy seven thousand. Yeah, and the next song down is simping over anime chicks. (laughs) It sure is. Uh, would you? Uh, what would you give this? Well, it's better than Peyton Parish. I actually got enjoyment <laughs> out of this. I'll give it a hot. Fuck it, I vibe. You know, I vibe too. I I will. I know there was actual energy to this. There was energy. There, there was production that didn't feel lifeless. Yeah, that was not a lifeless song. Uh, we we talked during the Peyton Parish one about how you know oh it sounds big but it also sounds like overproduced and processed like obviously with hip hop or rap electronic music yeah that is produced and processed but it's still yeah, it's pro but it comes with the territory I don't know how to explain my feelings other than somehow this sounded more organic than the Peyton Parish song yeah <laughs> let's be real I would say so. So, I wouldn't yeah. trust my opinion in contemporary music, but I would trust my. I'll even take less. the. I'll take the dude. I'll take the thick homie vibing on fucking anime tricks over the goddamn Viking bro. On who knows what the fuck I'll that guy. But his cover of "Can You Feel the Love Tonight" is really good, you guys. It's not out yet, but it's really good. You oh yeah, guys. that's what Buster said. Like, let me play sipping over anime tricks. See if I vibe with it harder. You know what? Sure, I've got some time. Well, what do you think? What was your reaction to freaking Revit? Oh up? yeah, I was gonna give the it a hot chew. Yeah, it was it was just fun. It was just some good old it was just some good old fun fun. And sometimes that's enough for me. Okay. He's talking about anime tricks. Uh, I, think, know, I, I think, think that's a good place to stop. I think Game Boy Jones was very close to outstaying his welcome. <laughs> All right, for sure. You know what? I'm sure he'd be a lot better when we li- have more time to listen. But we have a fucking podcast to try to cruise along to. Yeah. And we're trying to be not naughty <clears throat> boys and go on forever. And we have a very long Metallica record. Fuck, we do. <laughs> All right, let me pull. Let me like stop at the timestamp for hot or not, and then we'll roll into the car. All right, listeners, anyone is coming through the timestamps, it's now time for the CAR. All right, Ed, what do we listen to this week? We listen to Metallica's what some would consider their comeback album, released in 2008, five years after the magnificent artistic tour de force that was called St. Anger. Yeah. You can listen to our review of all that is St. Anger last episode. <laughs> oh, yeah. Last episode was all St. Anger all the time. Yeah. But I didn't hate the record, though. I had enjoyment. And I. Because it was just such yeah. a trip. Yeah. But maybe I'm just bored by mundane music. <laughs> but yeah, so. I'm uh, sorry. The shitty fucking mellow death band that's trying to make it big in LA, yeah, playing yeah. bar shows in front of 10 people. I'm sorry. St. Anger has a lot more going than your band, bro. So no, I'm not going to the show. So this uh, this album has a special place for me because this was uh, this wasn't the first Metallica album I owned, but uh, it came out when me and James were freshmen in high school, and I got it uh, the Christmas that it came out actually. So that was that was really neat. Um, so this song, this is the first song. It's called "That Was Just Your Life." I'm gonna say right here, the first thing I wrote in my notes is "lol." Two minute intro. Um, that's about how long it takes to get to the lyrics. 
Uh, I like this song, though. Uh, I gave this one a 7. I think it's a good opener. I like the heartbeat and the slow intro. It's kind of giving this feeling like, oh, shit, you guys. Metallica, they're not just back. They're coming back to life. And then, coincidentally, it hits you with this riff that I really like. It's good stuff. So, yeah, I give it a 7. All right. So, for me, I was just more reactionary at my, t- my, like my moment in life right here. I was What I wrote down was... I was vibing really hard with Blueface right before we were listening to Metallica. God damn it. I was vibing hard with the rapper Blueface. I'm sitting there like, you know what? I love this shitty rapping. The fucking beats are going hard. But then we like, all right, we're listening to this. And I'm sure for whatever reason, we're still talking about Peyton Parrish. And I just wrote down, but still this song was better than Peyton Parrish. But the song felt a little long. It's the like most seven I- minutes? Yeah, I just wrote down the most I'll go for this song is a high six out of ten. It's not bad, bad. but is it? My moment in time, I was like, you know what? Maybe I'm not in this most mood. Like this is good. Like Metallica, like this is Metallica are good songwriters. Did you guys know that? Yeah. Obviously, it's not as jarring as Sadaker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but the most I would say honestly is just safe. But all right, yeah. let's get to the next song. All right, it's now next one, the end of the line. Tell me about this. I gave this one some kind of, I rate this one some kind of six, because, like, honestly, I don't think this is a bad song. It's probably a lower six, really, because I don't think this is a bad song at all. So if I gave it a five, I feel like I'd be lying, because I think it's good. But I don't know. It's just there's songs after this that are really good, and I really like the song before it. But... It's weird. This song is two songs in, but this song almost felt like it should have been in the middle of the album. It almost sounds like filler. I don't know if it's really filler, but I'm just not a huge fan of it. But it's okay. It you gotta got it's a slow burner. You gotta give it time to get going. Um, but yeah, I, I stick with my low six. So for me, I wrote down with the song right here. Most likely with this riff, I'm like bounce riffs. Yeah. Some chugs. And I'm like, yeah, okay, this song is being a little too much riff soup. I gave it a light 6 out of 10. You did say it was It's not the soup, worst, yeah. but I'm like, all right, where are we going? <laughs> there's a lot of excess here. I think the lyrics are coming in right after this part, and there's like, there's been four or five different riffs. Have we listened to, a, have we got to a point where there's lyrics in the song yet? Oh, finally. <laughs> I couldn't tell you what the last, when we were reviewing the last song. Yeah, yeah. It was like, it, it was a little bit during while you were giving your score, but we did hear lyrics for it. But well, yeah, that's, right. that's this one. Song, now on to song three. Broken, Beat, and Scarred. Guitar Hero Metallica. Um, I like this song. I've heard, this is, um, <clears throat> it's kind of more of a mid-paced one, I guess. Uh, and it's just, it's Metallica being Metallica and Metallica is being a really catchy metal band with some neat hooks and some good uh, good vocal melody not vocal melodies but like you know song crafting I gave this one uh, a 7 I would almost say this song's underrated um, and part of the reason I gave it a 7 was because like well I like it more than the last song so it's either a low 7 or high 6 but yeah I just like this one I like it's groove so for me, I'm gonna. This is a pretty simple review of this song. Compared to the last two songs, this was more of an actual song. <laughs> Six out of ten. It's good. Believe really, no, it's a good song. But I'm just saying, compared to the other ones that were pretty much riff soup, 
This yeah. one seems a little bit more reserved. Some really good lyrics too. I'll or talk- maybe a little bit restrained. Yeah, you yeah. know what? That's like actual lyrics. Yeah, a good lyric freaking composition. There's uh, there's there, I'll talk more on lyrics like later and stuff. But yeah, no, this is a good song. All right, song four. This was basically so. This next song was basically the first single for this record, right? Yes. Which right, is tell me co- about how the day that never comes. Which, funnily enough, we are actually kind of back to the traditional format of the fourth song ballad. Okay, well, or at least the fourth song, I'll, or the fourth song being a ballad. Here, I'll just say what I wrote down. Oh, sure. I just wrote down "Lol," the number four ballad song. <laughs> okay, you thought it too. It's a rehash of classic Metallica. It's nothing they haven't done before, but the song is really good. I wrote down. Yeah, this song bangs. 7 out of 10. I gave this one an 8. I think this song is very underrated. I was so happy when they busted this out at SM2. This song feels like a mix of like if you mashed up Hero of the Hero of the Day with like one. Um, this is the first song where I really want to comment. Man, James's lyrics are really fucking good on Death Magnetic. I think um I think what helped Here's with- the thing about Saint Anger. There was a lot of bad lyrics. And you know some of that's Kurt, some of that's Lars, but yeah, that was oh, too it much. Is James too. There's too much cooks in the kitchen. And you know, I think with Saint Anger, there was with Saint Anger, there was no like subtlety, <laughs> there was no nuance. I, I said last time, it's like he cut himself open, spilled it on the track. That's what that was. Lyrically, I mean, James is still talking about clearly some personal lyrics, but there's restraint and there's like effort to craft them better like like to how they were on black album basically and to where it's almost kind of poetry and i just think this this song is runs long but it doesn't feel as long as the other ones because to me yeah but this is like the number four song ballad all they're like four song ballads went a little lengthy yeah yeah, yeah. usually they're constructed in a way that's not too bad my only issue with this song is the music video this is a song about like you know some personal stuff but whoever directed the music video made it a video about the troops because it was 2008 i think there was a war going on <laughs> but yeah uh good song stand by my eight all right on to song five all nightmare long guitar hero metallica baby is that where you, is this why you love these songs well he's like oh, dude everyone yeah. at the tc played this song all the time well, this is a really good song. Here's the thing about Guitar Hero songs. The longer they are, the funner they are. True, true, Plus, true. also, when you have to share, it's better to play the long songs, because then you <laughs> actually can put down some time. And you get more time the, to show off. Yeah, just you get more time to actually play the game. Before you have to give it, hand, it, hand the controller off to some geek. So, this song, though, is, this song is really good. This song is, um, this is like... How do I put it? This is a good Metallica song. Like, if you try to describe to someone what a Metallica song was, you know, like, you know, like the idea of a Metallica song. Like, it's chuggy, kind of fast, but it's melodic. Uh, it's kind of a thrashy song, but it's not like full on thrash. I, I wrote here an eight. I, I don't know if this is a, an eight in the same vein as Day It Never Comes, but I just think this is a really solid song. It's, it's catchy. It's just, it's memorable. You remember the lyrics? And I, I think it's I think it's one of Metallica's best compositions in the sense of we th- like I just said when you think of a Metallica song like this this comes to mind so yeah I stand by my eight. So for me for song five all nightmare long, <sighs> Edward's aware. Yeah, but I wrote down the re- of recent memory of the recent memory for me to this song 
I'm gonna give it a light 7 out of 10. But mostly the reason why I might like the song more is because they were, for WrestleMania last year, <laughs> they used this song for the freaking promo pack, video promo package for Brock versus Roman. The biggest match of all time! It was just a unification title uh, yeah. match. And I'm just saying, when all I can hear with the song, I hear freaking Brock yelling, Roman! Yeah. And then whatever you hear Paul Heyman's voice, like, I said, there's too much. And then much. Paul Heyman be like, right, he'll be like, Brock Lesnar, you're the tribal chief will make an example out of you. Then you have fucking Brock just coming with his cowboy hat. And he's just like, I'm coming for blood, Roman. I'm coming for blood. Yeah, seriously. All I can think of this song is like that goddamn video package. And then when you told me that video package. And then when you told me that song was like eight years, was like, how old is it? Uh, Death Magnetic came out, um... What's well, over 10 years? 15 years ago. Yeah, when you told me the song... That was a 14-year-old song when they used it. Yeah, you were like, telling me, like, yeah, the song's 14 years old. I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> it is. Fuck. Triple H likes Metallica, bro. Time have you, is not have you noticed? Oh, no, I haven't, I guess. Alright, next one, Cyanide. Yeah, this song. I really like this song. I thought I remember in school uh, this was one you didn't like that much, but... This song's a Punisher. I'm sorry. It was on the radio a lot, too. Um, I gave this one a 7. This this literally feels like if Metallica was like, was like, hey, let's write a catchy radio song. You know, I mean, that bass kick, the, the bass, you know, just the melody. This just feels like this was meant to be a single on the radio. But I think it does a good job. I think it's one of the... It's definitely one of the iconic tracks of Death Magnetic. In some ways, it's one of the it's, it's maybe the most remembered consistently. Um, but yeah, I just think it's good. I just think it's neat. It's fun. Oh, and also Guitar Hero Metallica. <laughs> so maybe that doesn't help too. But let me tell you about Cyanide. It's been overplayed to me, Fair. and honestly, time has not made it better. But the Ooh. song is not bad. Six out of ten. Oh, I also gave yeah. All, did I say I gave All Nightmare Long a light seven out of ten? I thought you did, yeah. Yeah, I can't remember. I think I might have let, let into that review. Yeah. Was there anything else you said on this, or were we ready to hop into the next? No, one? yeah, no. I just think it's fun and catchy. <laughs> oh yeah. All right. Now, the Unforgiven Three. Oh, bro, this is this is the this is the this is the song where I jack off about Hetfield's lyrics. This <laughs> is this has some really. I was not prepared for that. Those set of words. This song is a, because this is this. Like, is, homie, I'm just imagining you linking it onto a piece of paper, like to the fucking like <laughs> CD booklet of this like song. Oh, bro, this page with this song. All right, this your is, mom <laughs> listens to this radio show. She mostly just listens to the hot or not though, <laughs> so she can roast Jake. So no, she no, no, she listens to full episodes, but she doesn't do that in one go. When you upload the episode, she goes right to the hot or not, then comes into my room at like one in the morning, and she's like, what the fuck is Jake sending you guys? I'm like, it is one in the morning. <laughs> but yeah, um, this is the this is the Unforgiven 3, as James said. Uh, this is... Um, I don't know what general fan perception of this song is, but I think it's fucking great. Uh, I'm going to come out with it. Uh, this is another eight. I love this tune. Um, this uh, this has maybe the best lyrics on the album, specifically with... Um, I, I, th I think it's uh, just verse and then like 
chorus riffs, uh, chorus lyrics, but it's just, it's just, it shows to me, uh, to me, the song's the best example of just uh, where, J- just on what level James is as a lyricist and also a songwriter because that's him playing the piano in the beginning. So yeah, I just think it's really good. I can understand because someone told me this once. It almost feels like a kind of retread of Day That Never Comes. And I can kind of see that, but I think the song stands on its own. And I like that it's not just a reinterpretation or redone whatever of the original Unforgiven, like part two was. This feels more like a um, like a spiritual successor continuation of like the concept, the idea of the Unforgiven. And I, I, I just love the song. So eight. So for me, the Unforgiven three, the song bangs. The song does have awesome lyrics, but also in the car you were like feeding me Kool-Aid of how awesome the lyrics are in this song. <laughs> and so I focused on it a little bit more. I'm like, yeah, you know, these are some really good lyrics. And I, here's the thing about this record. It's not a good mix record. Like the mix, like the mix or the production on this oh, record yeah, isn't the that. best. Because there's this time. Like, here's the thing about the snare. It doesn't sound as fucked as the St. Anger snare. But that's a fucking brutal fucking, like, smack in the face of a snare. Yeah, yeah. But for whatever this song, this had one of the better mixes. Yeah. It was a little bit, there was a little bit of dynamics and subtleness to it. I gave this song a high 7 out of 10. Alright, on to the next one. The Judas Kiss. This is a lot of people's, um, this is a, I've actually seen, this is a lot of people's, uh, favorite off the album in the same vein like how for uh, Hardwired a lot of people's favorite is like spit out the bone and stuff um, just cause you know it's kind of a <clears throat> kind of a I don't know, thrashy one I guess I don't sure. lo- I don't love this, this sounds so thrashy well <laughs> after it builds up oh, this is sounding so thrashy after it bu- this is the post build up cause you know how Metallica works there's a build up then there's a post build up um, yeah but yeah, this is um I, I gave this one a six or so. I don't love this song. I don't hate the song. But you know, I kind of always forget well, I think this is the one I always forget is there. I just think it's okay. Especially because the middle of this album is so like we just had like four fucking bangers after a row, and this one this just feels like a bit of a drop to me. Alright, for me, yeah, the song is just some ref soup filler, and it kind of bored me. Five out of ten. Oh, Mister. Oh yeah, this is like some of people's favorites. I'm like, huh? Yeah, I'm sorry. This is not thrashy. <laughs> this is kind of a little slow. Unless the song picks up later. Well, it's you know. Well, it's eight minutes, so here. Yeah. Just, How much of a chance it. do you want to give it? Well, that's not proving anything. It sounds like pumping blood. Oh, let's see. There's double bait. Oh god. There's double bass in the solo. Yeah, I'm sorry. This song was too riff soupy for me. All right, Suicide and Redemption. So, Talk to me about this one. This is an instrumental of theirs, and I really like it. I still say Orion's their best one, and I don't even know if... I don't even think... I'm not even going to say this is, like, their second best. I mean, because Call of Cthulhu or To Live Us To Die is probably better, but I really like this song. This song is almost 10 minutes... Like, literally, it's like 9.58 or something. But I just really like it. I, I, I just really like um, 
I like the song. I like the main riff when it comes in here in a few seconds. And yeah, I gave this one, I give this one a seven. It's not like a super strong, mighty song, but it's a really good, solid song. It's good if you're having it on in the background while you're doing something. It's just, it's, I like it a lot. All right, so not their best instrumental in my opinion, but it's not the worst. Six out of ten. Fair enough. It's hard to say. It's kind of on the level as the was it to live is to die. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what other instrumentals are left with the next two records. There's um, I don't think they really have any instrumentals after to live is to die. I think it's just to live is to die. well. There's anesthesia. Off so the like you got Call of Cthulhu, you got yeah. anesthesia, you got Orion, Orion. and you got to live is to die. This song's kind of just as on as to live is to die. Yeah, yeah. Could be I'd a little bit. That. Could be a little bit better because Liz to die fucking pisses me off. Because there's a point in the song could have ended awesome, right? But right. But instead they come back to the boring ass riff in the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. I can't say the riffs here are killer, but this is a. I guess this is a. If you were as the musicians playing the song, this would be a fun jam. Oh, easily. But it's not the best instrument. I'll give it a six out of ten. I just always it's l- good. I like this. Uh, they're gonna bring it back here, but the the riff here. I just think that's such a cool riff. <laughs> yes, yeah, so like, but listen, it's not the best. Yeah, it's not the worst for sure. Kind of just mid. All right, my apocalypse. We're at the finale of the album. This is also a lot of people's uh, favorites. Um, Why? Because it's fast, thrash. Yeah, I think thrash, I, I, th- I think I might have been wrong thrash. on Juice Kiss. Juice Kiss is a lot of people's favorite, but I think I just said thrash out of habit. I think people just like that song. This is the one where people are like, oh yeah, like how thrashy it is. I just go questions like, hey, did you really even listen to the record, bro? Uh, yeah, we could go. Yeah. Dude, I legitimately I forget Judas Kiss is on the record every time I listen to it. But see, this is this is this is up tempo. Thrash. Anyway, yeah, I like the song. I don't love the song. I actually I actually gave this song a 6, too. Maybe it's better than a 6. I'll stick with it, though. Because I just don't think it's as good as prior songs. And, um, obviously, I don't know how to put it. Like, Metallica can and does make good thrash when they do. But I just feel like the, you had other songs that were very, like, dynamically interesting with their song structure. And this one, feel, and it's a long song, so I don't know how straightforward it can be. But this song feels extremely straightforward coming off these other songs, you know? Um, so, yeah, that's my thoughts on it. So, out of classic Metallica, out of, like, the album, cl- fast so- the fast album closer, how does it compare to, like, we'll say Spit Out the Bone, yeah. Dire's Eve, Damaging, you can't I, say Call of Cthulhu or Metal Militia. You can't say Call of Cthulhu. I can say that if we're ranking it by that, the best is probably probably Dire's Eve. I would say Damage Inc. is close. But this... Uh, Damn, this song might be at the bottom as the, as the Speedy Songs album, album closers. Are you talking Obviously, quality? Yeah. Oh, right. Uh, well, I think it's better than Metal Militia. I don't know. Metal Militia is kind of a banger. Well, it's, it's, it's a good cheesy banger. Yeah, but yeah, it's um. Well, 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 how would you compare it to Spit Out the Bone? Wait, oh wait, no, you like Spit Out the Bone Dude. a lot. Well, compared to this, well, yeah, yeah, just I don't know. It's just like I said, and compared to like, you know, I mean, like yeah, you know, it's the thrashy one, and you know, but like, but here's it. I just here's what I put down as my notes. It's cool, but nothing grabs me. So six yeah, yeah. out of ten. 
Yeah. Spit it out, James. Well, as we'll let the song play, what do you think of this album overall? You know, it's a record. If it's a record, if Metallica, yeah, if Metallica needed to make Saint Anger in the vein to stay as a band and not break up and deal with their things, this is the album that Metallica needed to come back with because you know, this really is like tit for tat. This is kind of what you want if you're coming with a comeback album. You haven't been around in five years. Your last album was very divisive. After you had two records that were already very divisive. Um, So I think, is it definitely safer? Uh, Yes. Do I feel it's, I don't know if I can say if it's safer, quote unquote, than Hardwired, which they do some different stuff. But like, as far as musicianship and songwriting goes, I mean, really... You said we peaked with Black Album, and I agree on a production and certain songwriting aspects, but if you personally, if you ask me, creatively, we peaked with the loads in St. Anger, because at least then they still took risks. You could say there is a risk on here with, like, The Unforgiven being, you know, with the piano and stuff. Nah. No? Okay. Nah. Well. Bro, we've went through all Talica. <laughs> you're right, you're right, you're right. Oh, James played piano is such a risk. Hey, I told you, uh, old friend Jay Frost uh, said he didn't like that song because of the piano. I don't know how much his music opinion you live by. I don't live by it too But this much. is when we were kids, so yeah, it's we kind of like... We were youngsters. But yeah, no, I, I, I do think it's solid. And I do come back to it once in a while. I think it's 10 songs, not the longest record they have. So I think, yeah, I, I think, it's, I think yeah. it's still good. I think it's good. So, here's my opinion on my Death Bad Addict, compared to the other Metallica records. It's the safest, but it's also definitely the second of their most, like, most challenging playing on record or so. Because, like, forget, they're going hard on, they're going hard on this record. This is, like, at the levels of a Justice for All, but it suffers like a Justice for All. A lot of this record is just kind of riff soup. But you know what? After you came off from like they literally came from like what four straight records. Yeah. Try to be reserved. Kind of went like butt rock and alt rock to yeah. then to just Saint Anger. Yeah. Where it's just hey, let's just be like a band jamming for the first time in a garage. This is now. I was like, hey, it's Metallica. Hey, I'm sure even Rob Trujillo might have put in some parts. Yeah. Rob was a great player. Yeah. All the music is credited to all four of them. Unlike uh, unlike Hardwire, which is just James and Lars. So I'm sure that that's worth something. And I think it's worth noting too that uh, you know with um, that with that with this record. Um, you know, you mentioned how you mentioned the injustice for us stuff. Honestly, songs like Judas Kiss and End of the Line, specific, uh, and and this song too, even they kind of give off those injustice vibes of like, you know, I mean, Grant, it's it feels less like oh, we're gonna show how dope musicians we were. I think that was the intention with this one was to be a, this is gonna sound cringy, but the only way I can word it is it sounds like the intention was death magnetic with the look, the songs, and getting Rick Rubin was let's be as metal as fuck as we can. I think it's just one of Metallica's like, hey, let's try to do a record we would have done back in the day. That probably too, I feel yeah. like that is how I would like state. I feel like that's a statement listed to us. Like, I feel like these dudes want to try something. Yeah. They would have done back then, but also they're older. They have different play st- playing styles. Too. Yeah. So obviously, they're four very different musicians. Yes. Yeah, so I'm just saying like none of those, none of these songs sound as like chunky or as like chuggy as like Master and Justice yeah, or yeah. as fucking 
or is the Black Album. Yeah, yeah. Because there's a playing style they want to do. But as in like the mentality, though, seems like something that they would do maybe after Injustice for All. Sure. Like literally this, I feel like would be in the album if they didn't go to the Black Album. This is what we have gotten. I could see that, honestly. I'll close out our discussion by saying uh, this, because I forgot to mention my tally score out of a score of 100, got a 70. And I think that's about right. I think that's about right. Uh, I'm going to stop, get the timestamp, and then into the main event. Yep. All right, listeners, to anyone that's just hopping in the timestamps or anyone that's just been listening out to the whole entire show, thank you for doing that. But also, I don't trip if you came into, come into the timestamps. I have them there for easy listening to anyone that wants to jump forward. But hey, yeah. done with me ranting. It's now time for the main All right. I hope I had a good energetic open on that one. All right, Ed. Was that your lips impersonation? Sure. Metal on metal. Metal on metal. Okay. Talking about lifts, who is lifts? What did we watch today? <laughs> we watched Anvil, the story of Anvil. Oh, God. Which yeah. is about the band Anvil from the 80s. Oh, named God. Anvil. Oh. This is a hell of a movie. I, we're going to get started here, but man, this movie had me feeling so many different feelings at so many different times. There were times I wanted to laugh, and there were times I wanted to feel bad. And then there were times I just laughed. This movie, this movie is is something. So let me tell you about this movie. I remember the homies sharing me this. This is around the time period when this movie came out. That metal show was a thing on VH1. Yes, we all watched that. I was watching it, and like for me, when I first watched, I thought Anvil was a bigger band or whatever reason, or just some band, whatever. Years later, when I became an adult, I didn't realize how much of a loser local level band Anvil was. And they made a documentary on this on how fucking senile they are on like everything. And I want like I didn't have the high when I first watched this. I'm like, I don't get why people are so hype on this documentary. It's okay. I don't feel like that anything too exciting from this one. Yeah. Then I realized, oh, <laughs> they literally made a documentary on some senile band. Yeah. These guys were 51. Yeah, they're 51 and it gets ridiculous. Hey, I get it. You've been doing a project for years, whatever. Yeah. But these people. This is next level. This is like, wait, what? It's like, they make, like, literally the documentary presents that this band is bigger than it actually is. <laughs> and there were, there's, and, 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 it confused me. We talked to really, uh, we're going to jump into this. Like, wait, was Anvil an actual, like, like, solid? They weren't like, even a one hit wonder. <laughs> Metal on Metal or whatever that song was from the first one. They weren't even a one-hit wonder. Yeah. But so, and it's funny because we're going to get into this right now, but I've seen people talk about how, because this documentary is so oddly toned that people are like, is this a stealth parody? Are we supposed to be laughing at this? Because the movie literally opens up, not making this up, everybody, talking about how back in 1984, a bunch of bands that are better than Anvil toured Japan for this rock festival and exact words went on to sell millions of records except one <laughs> it's 30 seconds in i'm like are you fucking kidding me so yeah that's how it's docu- the documentary opens up with the documentary taking a shot at anvil who we see at this festival playing metal on metal Metal on metal in Japan. They're dressed completely ridiculous. Yeah, I'm like, I guess that's what they did back and then. And for some reason, they have wind machines blowing their hair. Yeah. We see 
this we this we see a bunch of people in the rock and metal world talking about how fucking awesome Anvil is, you guys, including from once I can remember, Lemmy Kilmister, Scott Ian, Slash, and Lars fucking Ulrich. They're literally trying to they're literally telling us that Anvil's an awesome band. And a young me might have actually took that seriously. <laughs> but I'm sitting here going, Wait, what? We there was there was an opinion there was a point in time huh? we thought Eddie Trunk was a voice to trust. Yeah. When you're like a young impressionable lad, you trust you would like think these people talking about Anvil is like, well, maybe Anvil was like a like an actual band to watch out for. This is What are they talking about? <laughs> They're literally telling me like freaking Someone's like telling me it's like, yeah, that like metal on metal record. They were like thrash ball before thrash ball. I'm like, so was other fucking bands. Yeah. You know, what was another Canadian band. Exciter. Yeah. That played just as fast. I think they played faster. <laughs> so like metal on metal. So Lars Oricon, he, this is the first thing he says. And this is actually the first spoken piece of dialogue in the film from not archive footage. Lars Oric says when Anvil first showed up on the scene, it was like, fuck, this is cool. This is a statement. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> what? I, I I had to stop because I couldn't breathe because I was laughing. These guys, he said, these guys are going to, you heard them and these, he just thought these guys are going to turn the world upside down. He thought it's just going to turn the world upside down. I'm like, wait, Lars, are you, oh, huh? <laughs> I thought he was fucking joking for a second. So Scott Eden, let me on. Like, okay. 1981 tape trading days. Sure. Sure. Maybe. Are we are we positive on the statement moving forward? Because, and then Lemmy and Scotty are on, and they're just telling us how they how much they like them. We see promotional shots of Anvil through the years, and even Slash is here too to talk about how sick they are. Specifically, and they talk about he Slash comes on to talk about how Lips used to come out uh, with his guitar with a dildo, and how he thought that was cool. Tom Araya from Slayer. The singer from Slayer calls them thrash before thrash. I'm like, are you fucking ribbing me? Dude, what was that? I guess there was not a lot going on in 1981-82. And yeah, Anvil is just, yeah, they're, they're all just talking back and forth. Anvil's the shit. Why weren't they bigger? They're all talking. Why didn't it happen? What didn't translate? Slash says, are you yeah. sure, gentlemen? Slash <laughs> says, everyone just ripped them off and left them for dead. Direct quote from Slash of Guns N' Roses. Oh my who sweet child of mine, man. Well, Anvil was ripping everyone else off. <laughs> no, man. Everyone ripped off Anvil. Fuck Diamond Head. So we cut to the present day where Lips is driving to work. He works at a catering place, I guess, that he's a driver for. And he's going on a thing about how the menu, he's just ranting about the menu or whatever. He's like, yeah, it pays the bills, but Anvil brings me happiness. Are you sure about that? Yeah, we went from all these like A-level rock, rock stars. You might like Hot. Whitesnake was on that show too, the yeah. 84 one. Yeah, and then we go to Lips, who works for a catering company for children. Basically, he delivers f food to schools for school lunches. Yeah. And he says, like, yeah, it pays the bill, but Anvil's where the heart is, is like, oh, God. <laughs> I go, where are we going from here? So then, so then we go, we cut to Rob Reiner, which I always forget his name is Rob Reiner, which is, you know, the name of famous Hollywood man. He has a construction job where he Rob drills. Schneider. Where, 
Rob Schneider is. Rob Reiner is drummer of Anvil. Where he drills holes in cinder blocks and he says it's part of his psychoactive therapy. Yeah, no, he's working a jackhammer, breaking apart like friggin' like stone steps. (laughs) He's like, yeah, I think it's going well. And then the we construction cut, work or Anvil? Uh, the site, him, his job specifically because it's part of his psychiatric, psychoactive, whatever therapy. I guess he works in like friggin' uh, demolition yeah. and he likes breaking stuff. I'm curious why. Listeners, note. <laughs> I might come back to that later. And then we cut to Anvil playing a bar in their hometown. I yeah, they're not- playing a fucking. Bowling Alley Dive Bar. I could not conceive the words appropriate to describe the scene. Maybe you have better words for it. But what I have written here is we see some gross looking original Anvil fans named these old original Anvil fans from like 30 years. They wrote songs about us. I'm like, I'm like, at that point, you're, you're just friends. Yeah. You're not even fans. You're just friends with the band. There's cut they are loose. They're just your homie. They're cut loose and mad dog. Mad Those, dogs. Wait, wait, wait. Hold it. Those are their names, listeners. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if Ed pointed out. Their name. Yeah, their names are cut loose and uh, mad dog. Which mad dog's the one that says, yeah, they wrote songs about us. That's where those songs come from. I'm like. All right. And specifically, Cut Loose specifically said that after that, he's got the shitty lip hair. He howls to the moon as they play the song Mad Dog. And the guy named Mad Dog um, chugs beer through his nose nostril. Anvil, everybody. Dude, 80s fucking Hesher party bros. Hey, did we forget like a photo collage that like show up a split second where we saw where we saw Lips' dick? I did not. I do not remember seeing Lips's dick. Oh yeah, dude. On the did fucking, you? Oh yeah, my yeah. Well, the fucking video I watched when there was you like, know there was a lot happening. Yeah, in there, this was scene like a, there was like there was like an open there was an open picture collage where they're talking about Anvil. Oh wait, yeah, you're right. Was that I, for some reason? Because I thought that was the, they had a cake shaped like a dick. No, dude. There was like a shot where you just like, oh hey, that's just Lips fucking naked with his guitar and like, homie got a hog. Well, you know what I. <laughs> I guess my mind blacked out the lips snot, the, the lips hog. It came real quick. And by the way, we see that this specific show they're playing with these gross fans, who Mad Dog is pr- is proudly, I remember, like, oh yeah, Lips has been to my house and he's dropped off boxes and boxes of merch at my house. They're just <laughs> friends at this point. I wouldn't even call them fans. We You're see, just friends with the band. We see that this specific show is Lips' 50th birthday. I play well. I play birthday shows. I don't care. This is fifty. Yeah, I I think I would half hit- a century. Fifty years ago in nineteen fifty eight, oh, I guess when he was born or whatever. Like <laughs> my dad was five. Continuing on, yeah. So Lips tells us how people only really know him for their first for our first three albums. Oh my god! And how and how hey, there's a lot, but you know what? There's a lot more stuff. Did you get and this list? I did not for time, but he proceeds to name every single Anvil list uh, album in and and he doesn't just name them. I checked. He named them in chronological order. Dude, look, I have Spotify open up. I'm going to pull it up in a second. Not all their albums are on there, but I think all of those are. 
Um, <laughs> I, I, I can pull. I can find it right quick if if you want. I, I can do it right here. I'll forget. Well, well, can you do it in the lips impression? How he's just reading it off? Absolutely. Okay, I've got it right here. Oh my um, god. So I uh, so uh. With the Steve Kudlow impersonation. Yeah, so like literally, homie talks about we're only known for the first three albums, Hard and Heavy, Metal on Metal, and Forged and Fire. But you know, there's a lot of other stuff, you know what I mean? There's Strength of Steel, Pound for Pound, Worth the Weight, Plugged and Permanent, Absolutely No Alternative, Speed of Sound, Plenty of Power, and Still, uh, still, going, still going Strong, and Back to Basics. I'm <laughs> just like... What? That is a lot of records with very bad names and very bad cover art. Dude, the fucking album that they recorded for on this like documentary is not on here. Yeah, that's fucking funny. I don't know why. I cannot conceive who is denying Anvil their Spotify rights on that 13 on 13. Yeah. But I have a feeling all these records are published through some sort of like indie label that at least has the like publishing rights to put it up. I guess. No, no, no we'll worry about that later. So let's get back on track. So then he, so yeah, That's he named, just so ridiculous. You just like pound for pound. It's like, wait, back to basics. I like these, these album names are like, these almost sound parody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like people know us for three albums, but then I list off all these things. I'm like, these sound like an SNL joke. <laughs> all these album names sound like a punchline, or, or like that Key and Peele sketch where they had where they're it's like, they're naming off the college the last players. One is back to, to ba- basics. I'm like, that's just too like that is album too- number twelve, bro. That's a perfect punchline. <laughs> like when you are naming off all the things, <laughs> it's so confusing, but it's. True. This is legit. Oh my eyes. Ah, back. So Lips and Rob talk about how they met and how they've been playing together since they were fifteen years old. Yeah, it was childhood homies. We think we think cut to Anvil on some show that they didn't show the name on, where I guess they're talking about how in the eighties all the all the stuffy white people were all uppity about heavy metal, and she re and it's a talk show where the ladies like sex, drugs, rock and roll, and what it's doing to our kids, and she reads off some lyrics from a so a song called I believe Toe Jam, which I did transcribe. She wrote the lyrics just like this: Dig a little deeper, hip your partner, make her shout. Back to front, side to side. Tip your cap and come inside. Down with her fishnets, up with her skirt. Dig a little deeper till you hit pay dirt. This is the band that Slash and Lars Ulrich were just telling me it's a shame they never got bigger and they couldn't fathom why or how. I think this documentary is telling me how. <laughs> oh, it's telling me how, all right. So then Lips' mother is on. Oh, my God. Yeah, she looks fucking like she's about she to die. She looks like she's 190. Well, Lips is fucking old. <laughs> He's, like, just turned 50. That's right, yeah, yeah. She, so she looks like she's about to hit 190. Yeah. So she basically she comes on to talk about how Lips and Rob are very good friends, you guys. And also, I guess Lips is a high school dropout. Oh wow! I couldn't. I couldn't have guessed. Now lips, lips, and Rob are. By the way, we call him Lips because that's his nickname. Yeah. And fun fact for all of you, uh, Lips was gonna be the name of the band, but they changed it to Anvil. Well, they've done at least one good decision in their life. 
So, Lips and Robert. would have been a terrible band name. Oh, yes. Anvil, I... Anvil at least sounds like a band. Yes. So now... A good band, no. But, no. Uh, but Lips is... But it'd be worse with Lips. So now... I don't think they wouldn't even... I don't think we would even have a documentary if they no, were called Lips. No, 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 I would not have Slash telling me that uh, Lips is a woulda, coulda, shoulda. So now Lips and Rob are at a restaurant, and they're talking about how they wrote a, so- a song called Thumb Hang, and I don't know, that's pretty much it. They're it just humming was, out the song. Well, the song the song Thumb Hang was about the Spanish Inquisition, yeah. and how like people would get hung by their thumbs. I just wrote that heavy metal, bro. <laughs> I just wrote how Lips looked absolutely unhinged in the scene as he's as he's acapelling the song. Then we see Lips' wife, Rob's wife, sister, and son. Oh my Jesus Christ! Lips has a son too. Oh my God! <laughs> Come on, talking about how they're really good friends, you guys. They're I like did- brothers. I just remember his son. I just wrote down, dude. His son comes off knowing that his dad's band is mid. They ask him. Uh, what's your dad do? He plays in a band. What's the band's name? Anvil. What do you think of Anvil? The kid takes a second to answer. He like looks away, looks back at the camera, goes, they're pretty good. Dude, literally his son thinks his band is mid. <laughs> I'm like, bro, what? Lip says, as we as we see the band practice, the band has always been building. No one, no leaving, no coming back. And he thinks that uh, sorry, and and now I think the band has more potential now than ever. Okay, we learn of this woman named Tizana. Yeah, I never got her name. I just know as like she was her man. She is Anvil's manager. Yeah, and Lip says she booked them a fat tour in Europe. Yeah. Quick funny note: Lip says paraphrasing, but Lips basically says at home and my job. No one knows Anvil even exists. But if I go to Europe, someone at a bar might recognize me. That's all I need. Okay, then. He doesn't need the stardom. He just needs people to recognize him. Also, I wanted to say, they did show us the other band members of Anvil. It's not just Rob. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not Rob Reiner and Lips. There's other two schmucks that joined the band from not, from either one guy, the guitar player, joined the band in 1995, and yeah. then the other... In 1996. And they were both huge Anvil fans. I have never heard any other music that any of those other two have been on since they left Anvil. Because they both left Anvil uh, after this documentary. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder why. (laughs) Oh, God. They They left Anvil after 10 plus years. I've never heard a single piece of music or even know what they did after anvil but i have to hope anvil was not the 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 peak of their artistic creativity so now they're on the so yeah um oh yeah he also says how talks about lips also talks about how metal is a serious culture in europe i laughed Oh, I howled. <laughs> you just facepalmed. Dude. Yeah, I know. Did we meet their manager yet? Yeah, yeah. I just talked about yeah, her, how I she just, booked them the tour in Europe. I just know she looks all sketch. She looks, yeah. I'm like, I would yeah. not trust this woman to manage ordering my food at the restaurant. Keep in mind, she can barely talk to him, too, because she's like, she has very broken English. Yeah, dude. I think she's like full on Italian. She's, yes, she's very Italian. 
So now they're on the plane. And she's booked their whole European tour. Yes. Oh my god, this European Absolutely. tour. So they're on the plane, and just like and just like that, we're at a metal festival in Sweden. Yeah, this documentary is really weird. Sometimes it's really slow. Sometimes it's really quick. People are supposedly screaming for Anvil when they take the stage. You guys, gross metalheads are banging their balding heads. Michael Shanker is also randomly hanging out backstage. Yeah, like 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 best way to put. Anvil arrives to the Sweden Rock Festival, and they're playing an early matinee show, and they're yeah. playing in front of like, I don't know, six hundred people. Let's say, sure. Let's the, be nice. the, the field's not like filled out, but you got people going. Yeah, I know of Anvil. This scene is both sad and kind of funny. Oh my god, Lips is marking the fuck out. He's being a Punisher on fucking Michael Shanker, <clears throat> and he's like going like, yeah, I can't remember. I can't. Personally, I can't remember if he's trying to tell Michael Schenker they played a show together. I think so. Yeah, because specific, my- this is how the conversation ends oh, that we man. see. He's like, yeah, remember I came on stage and I had a dildo? That silence that happened is the silence that happened. Shanker said not a word and we cut to the next scene. Dude, Shanker was like, who the fuck are you? Shanker's on like a couch with like two women too. Yeah, I know. Michael fucking Shanker like in two thousand six or like, seven. Like Michael Shanker is a total B level guy. Oh, don't tell that to Eddie Trunk. Yeah, <laughs> Michael Shanker. Oh, whatever. But yeah, so like this Michael Shanker's scene- a B level like guitar, like freaking guitar player. Yeah, not an, not an ability. No, no, no. He's a great guitar player. Sure, but, but are you talking that- like songwriter or in Stardom? Stardom too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it just sure. Stardom. He's a B level guy. Yeah, but when you have a D tier guy. If you can even say that about lips, I was gonna be nice and call him C tier. Are you sure? <laughs> well, no, I was until you asked. But me my, that. even Michael Shanker goes, "Oh, who are you?" Yeah, and that's his whole scene. He's going up to a bunch of different people. He's trying to talk to him. Nobody remembers him. I don't even Bro, know if they know the who he is. The only reason people know about Anvil is this fucking documentary. It has to be. There's only one. There's only one guy. Well, there, there's some Japanese fans that come out and mark out. To, to lips because they recognize him. There's only one rock star though that actually oh, recognizes yeah. them. And because this was funny, they they're trying to talk to. They're waiting to talk to Ted Nugent. Yeah, you see, lips is like, yeah, I'm about to go talk to Ted Nugent. But then he sees Tommy Aldridge. He's like, holy shit, it's Tommy Aldridge. And you see him running over to Tommy Aldridge and Tommy with his giant poofy hair. He goes, oh hey, uh, hello. Yeah, are you a fan? <laughs> And he just, God, dude. Like here's like, like I watched the video of Tommy Aldridge playing like Crazy Train. Oh he's yeah, smacking the shit out of the fucking drum. Like recently, it, it was like a drumio video, I think, or something like that. Oh okay. Yeah, he was just like in studio. They had him be like a guest drummer, and I'm like, fuck, dude. He's like playing the foot. He, like he's playing his heart out to fucking Crazy Train. That's the only reason I know of like Tommy Aldridge. Yeah, but yeah. I'm sitting there, was like, but lips is just like beelines to him. I'm oh like, yeah, over Ted Nugent, which I mean. That comes with a caveat. Fuck Bro. Ted Nugent. I don't care about Ted Nugent, but I'm pretty sure Ted Nugent's a bigger star than that guy. Yeah, but even then, Ted Nugent's still like scat. I'm like, dude, is Ted oh, Nugent yeah. even like a tier? Because I'm like, I said Michael Shanker. You want to talk B. about a guy that I think is B tier? If you think Shanker's B and I think Nugent's B, then that might make that might make Lips an F. So there is one guy though that actually recognizes lips, and it's a dude from Twisted Sister, and he's talking about how, oh yeah, man, you know, I I, I remember that show we played with you. We um, what was it? You guys came off stage. I think they, yeah, 
they I guess Anvil went on after them or whatever. And uh, he said, yeah, our manager just came up to us and they went, you just got your ass kicked by Anvil. And we're like, yeah, we know. It was the one guy. The one guy. Not I Tommy knew. Aldridge. Not Shanker. Wasn't it like Vinny Apovich? Apichi or something? Vinny. There was like the Oh, oh, oh. Apichi? Yeah, Apichi. A P P I C E, right? Yeah, yeah that f- dude. I don't know. There was like some Apichi guy yeah. with the handlebar stash. Lips is telling a full on story. Yeah. How he picked up some chicks in Canada and the dude just goes, I don't remember. Yeah, but the guy from Twisted Sister. Yeah, I, I don't know fucking how, but. And the next day, they can't buy train tickets to get to their own show. It is sold out already. You could tell the, you could smell the disaster of this tour, where it's like, yeah, train tickets were sold out, and it's like, wait, so wait, why didn't you get the train tickets prior? Uh, I didn't know they would be sold out. Yeah, but we're coming from a festival full of people. I didn't think it was going to be sold out. Lip says, until we are a real commodity, this is what we have to deal with. I'm like, that's not being a commodity. I'm pretty sure Metallica remembers to buy their fucking train tickets. I think Metallica has managers that actually remember to buy these things. True. In advance. They make it, though, to the show, and we see a montage of... We we didn't see a montage of them having shows all throughout Europe. And you know what? They look like they're having fun. Yeah, they're playing, like, other festivals. They're playing shows that looks like there's some bodies in there. Looks like it. And then some there's not bodies in there. But then they make it to the Czech Republic and to Prague. Oh, God Oh, my God, this Prague episode. Okay, so there's a bit... So there's a bit where... They're try. They're late. They're late to get to this club in Prague. Two hours late. Two- oh, I didn't catch that. Okay, two hours late. The promoter or the helper, of the promoter is pissed. Uh, Tazana or whatever is he yelling at them on going, the phone. It looks like we don't know how to read the fucking signs. And then they show up and dude. This is where it started for me. Lips looked like the biggest asshole because they show up out of their motorhome. Lips, you know, he's got his big old smile on his face, right? And he's just like, it's like, hey, we finally fucking made it. Hey, you know, we couldn't read the signs. <laughs> the promoter dude looks absolutely, he's just staring dagger on dagger through lips two hours late they get on stage and they play and you know whatever there is there's this one oh, oh there's a funny bit i wrote down where rob was pissed because i had to throw all my fucking drugs away they said there were gonna be dogs there's no dogs i guess and uh yeah they play whatever they so, play an all right set there's one dude in the background going on bill on bill very good very good on bill that dude was stoked on Anvil. I fucking guess. So Lips. So then after the show, Lips is like, "All right, so where's the dude that's gonna pay me?" And he tries to find the owner, <laughs> who brings them some goulash to eat. And Lips is irate, so he yeah, goes. You hear him in this little like pull away like cover where they're like munching on their food, and you just have Lips going, "I fucking played a set. I deserve to get fucking paid." Why the fuck am I not getting paid? I'm like, what the fuck? The place they're sitting at was kind of cool because they had the like Ripper Owens Priest era logo etched into the wall. Oh, yeah. So then, yeah, that. So I need to recount this scene because this was a ma- beat by beat. The owner and his stooge are talking to Lips. So he tells them. So he tells them, you are too late. You are not getting paid. You are two hours late. You're not getting paid. And Lips, I fucking played. I, I worked. I worked. 
I'm getting paid. I worked. I want my fucking money. And then the fucking, I think the bassist dude uh, comes up because the guy's like, no one called me. No one communicated to me. The bassist dude comes up, you know, big old bug eyes. He's like, you should have told us you weren't going to pay us before we played our full set, motherfucker. <laughs> I'm like, okay. <laughs> Obviously, there's poor communications on both fronts. Yeah. Obviously, <laughs> you, st- you would think that the band would communicate, hey, we're kind of lost. Yeah. We're hours out. What goes on? That's the responsible thing. Yeah. That, not, not even just, that's just, a respectful thing. But they do. were just, si- I guess they had no communications and they didn't pr- told a promoter nothing. Yeah. And that's when they what it sounds like. And then when they eventually showed up, you're two hours late. You're holding up the show. We're not going to pay you. Yeah. And they just like, we're going to come up, hop on. We're going to shred. And it's like, we fucking work. We fucking paid. This also sounds like you voluntarily want to went up and started making noise on your instruments. Yep. <laughs> because. Huh, so, and then Lips is like grabbing the dude by the jacket. And I was like, oh, I worked. Pay me. I'm going to kick your fucking face in. Yeah, dude. Lips is ready to fucking beat some ass. And then we don't even see the resolution of that. We just yeah, see we just, some British dude. Yeah, we see a lawyer that goes, says what's up to him. And it's like, yeah, you should get paid. And then gaslights him that. They should be playing in front of a thousand people minimum. A All night. across Europe. I'm like, okay, bro, you're drunk. Go home. Homie is trying to and hustle. It, and homie also tells him you have a shitty manager. <laughs> All right, whatever. <laughs> Let's gaslight this shitty band and yeah, then tell them they their s- manager is trash, which... Well, you know what to say about a I broken. Say the, you know I, say about a broken clock. I can't say the manager isn't doing like too, too good of a job because the next day, they miss another train. Yeah, she's like, if we miss the train, I pay double. And Lips is like, just call MasterCard and have them canceled. They do that. I don't know, if they, sure do that. I don't know if they do that, Lips. I don't know if they do that. I also do feel that. like my Lips impression is just low-key my John Laurinaitis. But. <laughs> so now they're, oh, and it, it ends with them, I assume, renting a motorhome because now they're driving to their next spot. Yeah, they're just like, they're on a bus. By the way, and I can Lips is that guy where it's like, he knows moments bad where he's like, Hey, you know it's a good thing we have these sleeping bags. That's I just can, a sign that travel is not the best. I can when you're underst- trying to find the positive out of minute bullshit like sleeping bags. I can understand why the big Anvil fans left after this documentary. So yeah, wait, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, rem- that's a thing. No, rem- remember that no. I told you the bassist and guitarist. Oh. They're, they 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 were big fans. That's what I meant. Sorry. Oh, I thought you meant like actual fans saw this and I'm like, wow. I feel like I don't like this. Like band these anymore. guys are fucking tools, or at least lipses. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. So now they're in Munich, Germany, and oh my god, I was laughing so hard. Is we this day thirty two? That's what I have in mind. We notes. yeah, we hear the lady screaming at the management of the carp. You said there was going to be promotional posters. You said there was going to be promotion, and oh my god, the promotion this bar did is they took a blank white piece of paper and wrote the bands that were going to be there that night with a sharpie. Yeah. That was their idea of posters. That was their idea of promotion. And li- Sharpie. And literally their manager's like, don't play. Don't bother play. We're not playing. And they're Yeah, Rob is con- like, fuck this. I'm gone. Like, dude, Rob <laughs> just rages outside and Lips is just trying to c- calm him down and convince him, hey, hey, we're like far from way. I know, like, they didn't promote, but you know what? We're here. And you know what? Let's just play a show. The how- It's a packed house house tell me about this packed house show as soon as he says it's jam-packed in there 
it cuts to them playing in front of like eight people. Dude, I got five. One of them was a dude in a chair. Yeah, one dude was just in an office chair, just head banging out. I'm like, at this point, I'm like, is this a comedy? <laughs> Boy, that is some great. This was so funny. And then when the and then when Rob's pissed, the bassist I think goes up to Lipsy. He's like, oh, he's pissed. He's fierce. He's talking about he wants to sue you. I'm like, wait, wait, Rob or the guitar player? No, no, the guitar player when the bassist went up to Lips and was telling him that Rob was pissing and that like, oh, you know, he wants to like, he wants, he's talking about maybe suing you. <laughs> I thought the guitar player, I thought like the bass player told Lips that the guitar player was pissed. He wants to quit the band and he wants to get fun and he wants to take you to civil court. Either way, Lips was going to be taken to court. <laughs> I'm like, dude, Lips don't have money, bro. So then after that, we cut to them at a bus station at almost 2.30 in the goddamn morning because why? They missed their bus. <laughs> and then, were, oh, you mean? I thought it was an airport. It, it was, oh, you're right. It was an airport. My bad. They missed their flight. And now we're in Transylvania. Yeah, I'll admit, I think they were on to something that their management wasn't the best. Yeah. Because their traveling plans fucking suck. And here's a scene, all right. So they get there in Transylvania. Yeah, There's they're playing. Well, they're in Romania. Yeah, and they're gonna play Transylvania Rock Fest. There's proper flyers. There's posters. They're heading to a kind of festival, 10k capacity. Like, man, you know, like, good Lips, for them. Yeah, Lips is telling us, yeah, they're supposed to do about be like this venue is like holding like 10k. It's promotion all over. Even the mayor of the town's gonna show up. They show a here's couple. Here's the thing yeah. that I noticed though too. Huh. The fucking bar show that they played. And this festival lineup was the same lineup of bands. Way for real? Yeah. Maybe there was like an added like two or three bands. Because didn't they point out that Anvil was like headlining this? Yes. Oh my God. This was a headlining tour? Yes. In a bar of six people. Oh my god! I thought that they were just like that when I assumed they headlined, quote unquote, because they were so late. But I thought they were like one of the first two bands or whatever, because they didn't specify what kind of fucking tour this was. No, other than the festivals, which they were playing matinee spots, they were doing headlining shows in these bars. You can see earlier they had filled out people. But- Is Anvil a work? I don't know. But yeah, 10,000 capacity place. It's like, man, good for them. They show some of the opening acts. One, yeah, of, them, one of them I even recognize, Phantom X. I just know it was like, I was just sitting there. I was like, I saw these same exact band names on that fucking shitty little piece I of paper. I didn't even notice that. That's crazy. And I'm like, I'm like, oh my God. And they're literally calling this a rock festival. And I wrote here, Anvil was not the cringiest of those bands. Oh yeah, no, those bands fucking sucked. Tour, tour lady is like, Torley says there's supposed to be thousands of people here. Anvil rocks the house, but then as soon as they're done, there's a sad little white text bottom left corner of the screen. Because remember, ten thousand capacity, crowd attendance, a hundred and seventy four. Is this a fucking comedy? <laughs> because I'm sorry, I'm sure I'm supposed to feel bad. Especially because the next scene, yeah, everything's back to normal. Lips is back home. He's working. And he says, we worked five weeks, got paid nothing. Not one record company showed up. And And I'm just laughing. Yeah, that's one thing that Lips told us earlier, that he was thinking hopefully playing throughout this whole, doing a whole circuit through Europe, a record company would come up and then maybe go, "I, I like what you're going. Looks like you guys got some buzz. Here, let me help you with your next record. We could try to see if we can make a little bit of cash. Nope. 
Nope. Lip says everything went wrong, but at least there was a tour. Then we cut to a wedding. We had a fucking five-week vacation. Then we cut to a wedding. I don't know who it's for, but Anvil is playing the reception. Are you kidding me, man? I think the wedding was for their guitar player, and I think the guitar player was in a relationship with the manager. Yes, because they actually, spoiler alert, I guess they say that in the ending text. They got married. Well, we saw them got married there, but then we see Anvil's the wedding band, and the people there are either cringing or just disgusted. I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> we go back to Lips. It gets worse. We go back to Lips's mom, and they ask, they ask Lips's mom, "What did he give up for his music?" And his mom says, "Making money." <laughs> so it's here we learn that not only is Lips from a Jewish family, but no one believed in him. No one still does, really. I mean, they support him, sure. Like, there's like there's this one brother of his who's, you know, talking on and on. He's like, well, he's an artist. He wasn't going to go into business. But they're basically telling us in nice words, like, Lips is a dropout loser. Like, literally the homie's saying, Lips is a guy that would rather not live a life of mediocrity and would rather live in poverty. Yes, he would and rather they- live in poverty and have nothing. And I wrote, well, he's getting there. <laughs> I'm like, he's there. Uh, then the movie really wants me to feel bad because now they make it about how Lips wanted his father's validation. <laughs> Meanwhile, Rob is just like, yeah, my parents were super supportive. Yeah, my parents were super supportive. My dad is an Auschwitz survivor and he became a successful jeweler. And yeah, I, and I'm he, like, damn, Rob's story is way more interesting than Lips. Yeah, no, Rob's like, you know what? I play drums. Like, you know what? I like this. This is something I want to pursue. Yeah, there's a little thing where I just feel like pointing out. Uh, Rob mentions how his dad made him like a little gold necklace of drumsticks. I'm like, that's really cool. He's never taken them off. Well, except for fights with Lips. But. No, I guess so, yeah. But then either way, we see Lips and Rob. They're hanging out and they're having the first? We could say the first existential yeah. crisis where... They're about to needing to realize that they can only do this for so long. They're getting old. They're getting old and like they need to do it when they can still do it. That's literally how the conversation ended. You Lips, got any insight? What, what was your insight on that? Just that Lips actually said in an interview later that part of the reason that he was extra obsessed with his goals and whatever in this movie was his father passed away not too long before. Or I think it was during the record, the making of this doc. So it gave him a sense of mortality. But then I'm like, okay, this is some somber stuff. We're in a lull. But then I swear to God almighty, we cut to lips shoveling snow. And he says word for word. One of the main reasons I think Anvil has never really gone anywhere is that our albums have sounded like crap. Yeah. Our first three, our first three albums sound good, but then the rest just sound like crap. I'm like, that's are why, you fucking kidding me? I'm like, that's why records don't sell. Now, obviously, he means production, but come on, how is this not a self-aware parody? <laughs> is this Spinal Tap too? He literally said, "Yeah, I think you know it's because our records sound like crap." It's like you're goddamn right I they think, do. Uh, he's sitting there, is like, I blame the production. Yeah, I blame production on why our shit doesn't sell. Uh, really? Are you sure your songs don't fucking suck? So then Lips is like, we haven't sounded good since Chris Singeri's produced they call them. Him CT. CT produced them in the '80s. This dude worked with like Thin Lizzy, Black Sabbath, and apparently Judas Priest. And Lips is like, hey, I know what I'll do. I'll send him a demo tape. 
The only notable thing that happens for a while is uh, we just cut to a way to Rob's little hidey hole where yeah. he's showing off his art thing. Yeah, he has because like he's a, a painter. Yeah, he just has a basement gate get, like getaway. So can where I point he has out his drum set up and his paintings? Can I point out Rob is has a better job, is a painter, and has a more supportive family. I'm just saying, Lips kind of looks like a loser. I think Lips is coming off like, like, like literally you see like freaking Rob, you see some ridiculous paintings though. You see like one of this giant anvil monument in the middle of some town of Canada. Yeah, he's like, quote unquote, yeah, I want it to be big, you know, like, like godlike, like the Egyptians, like, ah, the god is there. And then you see another one where he like drew a picture of his like own personal drum kit, and he called it "Left Behind." That well, one was actually kind of poignant. He's like, "Yeah, this is what's going to be when I'm not here anymore." You know, it's like, "Oh man!" And then the last painting he shows us is a picture of a turd in a toilet bowl in the little shitter friggin' room, and he starts talking about its texture. Yeah, like you can literally feel like the texture in the turd itself, and it was like, "What?" Anvil, everybody. Anvil. So back with lips. Some good news, guys. Uh, CT calls back. He leaves a message and he's like, hey, man. I like the demo. Give me a call. So they have a quick little powwow and then the boys fly out to London. We see modern CT and it's funny because him in the 2010s and the pre-2010s and him in the 80s both look like he could have directed porn. Yep. So they have a meeting. We don't spend very much time on it. And the key is CT is like, hey man, let's just say fuck it and go have fun. If it sells, it sells. I'm if thinking, it doesn't, it doesn't. I'm thinking, homie, these old geezers are coming to you desperate, fighting for their lives, and you're telling them, eh, if it sells, it sells. We're still going to have a career record on our hands. I'm like, I don't know if that's what they need to hear right now. So back in Canada, like seriously, people, it jumps that quick. Lips is all like, fuck. This is going to be expensive. Well, yeah, because CT dropped the news when they were in the UK. It's like, yeah, so it's going to cost 12,000 to 13,000 pounds to make an album. So they're back in Canada. And then you see Lips just goes, fuck, where am I going to get that kind of money? So then we see, oh, hey, look, it's the homie Cutthroat, the old fan of freaking Anvil. As he's like, you know what? I'm going to yeah. help J- like Lips get an extra side gig to make the cash. What is this gig? A telemarketing fucking job. I wrote here in all caps, this has to be scripted. Because we cut to a telemarketing place where where Cutloose is the VP. He gives Lips a script to read. And, he, and after- How does it feel your number one fan or just friend is less of a loser than you? He's vice president. All right, continuing on. So he gives Lips a script to read. He's like, as long as you're energetic and enthusiastic on this job, you can make a shit whack of money. And dude, they just let the camera run while Lips is just in this telemarketing hellhole. Yeah. And holy hell, this scene stressed me out. The shit looked like a fucking war zone. Yeah, like literally you have dudes up on their seat just fucking yelling into the phone. The hype This is like people. hype culture before hype culture. Like literally you hear dudes going, yeah, but you're going to like... You will have a 25% increase in having sex if you buy these sunglasses. These are the same ones that Keanu Reeves wore in The Matrix because they're trying to sell glasses. I'm like, I'm like, dude, what a fucking life. The guy's like, Ray-Bans? 
Yeah, Ray Bans. You want these? And I and and so so, and I didn't get the dude's name. But you have this one dude behind lips, just fucking jumping all over the place. Everyone's yelling. I'm like, man, fuck this. And Lip says, in three days, he made no money. He made no money in eight hours. Ages between all days. Oh my god, he barely worked those days. And then holy shit, this next scene, we need to take a minute or two because we cut to Lips and Rob in, I assume, Lips' house. This is a scene that he showed me a while ago. They're talking about how literally everyone in this band is going broke for this record. Specifically, Lips remortgaged his house. Their guitarist missed his mortgage payments, and there might be a power sale on his house, and their bassist is apparently homeless. He doesn't even have a home, Lips says. And then Lips rants about how simultaneously everyone depends on him, but quote unquote, I'm the one with the vision and I'm going to get you there. Pig bugged out eyes, quivering lip. There's a great part where he's talking about how he's like going to jump off a cliff, take the easy way out. And Rob's like, well, it wouldn't be easy because I'd stop you. Lips turns to Rob. That's dedication there, pal. That's dedication there, pal. He's like, I'm going to kill myself because I can't come with $13,000 to make a record. I won't let you. That's That's dedication, pal. I have a vision. Either way, now we see... (laughs) Where are we? Yeah. Do you see the look in Rob's eyes? That does not look like dedication or belief. That looks like a man who has resigned himself to his fate. (laughs) Yeah. Lips is yelling about being a rock star, and Rob's looking at him with this looks. It's just, I have spent my entire life with this guy. Yeah, and it's oh like, my God. I am going to make this rock star dream happen, damn it. So after Lips is done ranting like a madman, Rob's family tells us how, yeah, Um. so Rob uh, has four kids and oh a mortgage. Oh, my God. And a mortgage. I think two of them are stepkids. So hopefully something happens. Then short shot of it being Christmas time at Lips' house and there's a really somber score playing as Lips tells us his sister is going to loan him the money for the record. There's a heartwarming moment as she tells us how, you know, she loves him and wants the best for him. They hug and kiss. Really? And- she says that, I was like, I will really want the best for him. But then she starts just pouring a tear out of her eye where she's just like, I don't want to do this. <laughs> she had the, she tells us that she wants the best for her her brother. But her face says otherwise. She goes like, I'm like, I, I don't want I don't want to do this. Why am I doing this? That's what I got. Maybe I read that wrong. You know what? That might have been some hidden subtext. I do there was there might have been. I'm just like, oh my god. Cause you see Lips, he's like, oh my god, I'm gonna Family's make Family's important. Family's important. I'm gonna make this record in this sister just goes. Okay. I'm the one with the vision. I'm I'm going to get you there. Well, either way, now we see all the members of Anvil into the UK and they're walking around. They're just walking around for a while. Yeah, and they roll up with the CT and he says, the and we see CT tell us reasons why records don't sell. Including, but not limited to, if people looked inside, they'd realize their albums didn't sell because people liked it. But also sometimes there's crappy labels with crappy production. But you know what? Ambler's still here and that's worth something. I'm like, okay. <laughs> okay, guy. So we see them work on the record, which would become This Is 13. 
for like two minutes and then we see them work on some song that I didn't get the name of and we see Lips recording vocals and oh my god I don't know about you but Lips recording these vocals did not sound good to my ears oh yeah no he sounds fucking terrible we then cut forward like we hear the tracks in the background and I'm like homie this sounds like there's five fucking vocal tracks going on (laughs) Homie's doing every production trick to make sure this sounds good. This sounds presentable. Yeah, but we hear Lips tracking the vocals, and it's like, this sounds terrible. You're not doing a good performance. We then cut forward to, they they show like how long they've been there, right? They've been there apparently six fucking weeks, and when it gets to where it says week six, we see Lips and Rob are fighting. At first, I'm like, oh shit. Like, Lips is screaming in Rob's face and grabbing him by the collar, and then Rob's like, just let it out. Just let it out. Yeah, at first I thought this was serious because I'm like, I figured this had to be serious because he's got robbed by like his fucking car. He's calling him a loser. The guy that's been, you know, sticking by him. The one guy sticking by him. You're a loser. You're a fucking loser. I don't need your negative vibes. You're a fucking loser or whatever. And all we know at this point is Rob is being negative with vibes. And yeah. And then Rob walks outside and he's like, I'm done with the band. And Lips is like, yeah, you know, he's in here doing this. He's being destructive to the band. And yeah. I don't know what else to say. He's fired. <laughs> so they, I'm like, oh shit, I don't remember this. Last week, Rob quit the band. <laughs> so they meet up to talk later that night. Wait, you know, you literally, I thought Rob was at home. Okay. But there was still a fucking in the UK. They're making CT deal with this bullshit. Yeah, like literally Rob's This guy just, they haven't seen in like 20 years. Like Rob's just chilling and he's just sitting there like, yeah, you know what? Lips just lives to hurt me. I feel like all he's done in his life is just to hurt me, and that's what he just does. He sits there and just hurts me, and it sucks. And I don't want to deal with it anymore. Yeah. Then Lips just comes in, and he's like, I want to say I'm sorry. I want to say I'm sorry, man, in the most aggressive manner. Oh, no, he doesn't say sorry. He goes full kid. He says, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But I'm under a lot of stress. I'm like, you asshole. That's not an apology. Like... (laughs) He literally says, oh, I'm sorry. And I'm sorry. And it's like, are you? You you, you seem still mad at me, bro. Yeah, so, and that's the thing. Rob feels like he's always Lips' fall guy, whatever that means. Yeah. And here's we learn why Lips got mad at Rob. He got mad at Rob because Rob said that Lips does half-ass takes and leaves them on tape or so. Now, I don't know about you. But when we saw Lips doing vocals... I was on Rob's side like a motherfucker. Lips has a line here where he says, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I yelled and got mad, but I'm under a lot of stress. And Rob is literally like, fuck you. I'm always a positive vibe. I'm always here to help you. And CT, he's trying to talk to him. And there's a part where Rob asks, I swear to God, this is how the scene happens. CT is talking to him. Rob asks Lips. Why am I always your fall guy? And then they start talking and Lips just looks at Rob and he goes, because I love you. You're my brother. <laughs> That's like, not what? a fucking answer. I'm like, what? Why, why, why am I your fall guy? Because I love you. And CT's just What like, the fuck does that mean, dude? And here's the thing. CT's just trying to play a therapist just to calm them down. Lips starts crying. Rob starts crying. Lips says... Okay, this is like all joking aside. This pissed me off. He says, "If I don't have you to blow up at, then what the fuck do I have? Then what do I have?" That's fucking toxic, bro. 
That feels like you keep them around so you have someone to to, to pin cushion with your emotions. They Rob, iron every- <laughs> Rob Reiner is a trooper. Rob Reiner is something. I so don't they- know why. Honestly, he should just quit. He can <laughs> like he plays drums fine enough. He can find another project. Well, maybe not now because now they're both like sixty something. But. Oh God. So they iron everything out, I guess, and we hear Lips narrating as they're walking around England how they're on a mission from God. Okay, he doesn't say that, but he's talking about how there's an aura around the band and how this just feels right or something. And I'm thinking, homie, I think you've been gaslighting Rob Reiner for like 40 fucking years. Dude, he's been gaslighting Rob Reiner and himself. They but hate- either way, they visit Stonehenge. Yeah, nothing really happens. They just go, oh, and they it- feel like there are healing powers from the rocks. And you know yeah. what? It seems like they took a break from the studio. Let's go visit the countryside. Let's go check out Stonehenge yes. and go. How the fuck did people actually build this? Yeah. Satan. So now we're in. <laughs> I thought he said Satan. I think that's what they did say. Like Satan. So now they're in L.A. Yeah, that's right. All that talk about how like literally through the movie and when they like have trailers for this, they're talking about, oh, we're doing our new record. This new record is going to be fucking sick. dude. We didn't even see. There's not five minutes of them of us seeing them recorded. Barely. I don't care. We saw like we saw lips doing bad vocal takes, and we saw them like jamming on some instruments for a quick second, maybe some guitar tracks. But yeah. now we're in fucking L.A. We see lips and CT on a radio show talking about the record, and I just wrote down, "Oh my fucking god, it's this fucking DJ that was at the fucking violence like benefit show I was at." Oh, that was the guy. Yeah, this is the fucking guy that kept on doing like every two songs, start doing a fucking giveaway, and I'm like, "Fuck off." <laughs> I want to listen to violence. I remember you ranting we about that, We are raging like motherfuckers, but then you come in cock-blocking us with more violent songs. It's like, fuck you, bro. This is the closest we're like, us youngsters are really going to get to actually seeing this band. Yeah, yeah. That have one really great album. Right. But this fucking goober, this radio personality is like, I hate metal, ra- I hate radio fucking, I hate Heavy metal radio DJs in the fucking yeah. post 2000s. Yeah. They don't matter. <laughs> They're all so obnoxious. They are. Homie, fuck off. Let's get back to the music. No, no. We need to do a giveaway. Homie, I think the fucker got money for his cancer treatment. <laughs> yeah, by the way, it was a benefit show for a dude. Yeah, for the singer because, yeah, he was going through Q. Hey, he survived and then revamped violence, but then came out with the anti-mask song. No, they covered Dead Kennedys, but they used the video as a say to like to be an anti-mask song. Right. That during felt, COVID. That felt very not what the Dead Kennedys would have gone for. Also, or just or you know, just it's there. just cringy. Oh yeah, no, it's pretty cringe. But damn it, Eternal Nightmare is a really good album. It really with is. With banger riffs on banger riffs. So yeah, they're so they're there, and Lips is talking about how you know we want to find a manager, I guess, and how okay, so okay, so here's what we were talking about before recording: how Lips is taking a whole bunch of master recordings or whatever of the record, and he's trying to shop them, quote unquote, to a bunch of record companies, including walking right into Capitol Records. Yeah, like also we totally forgot about the DJ dude. That really, oh, yeah. they had the homie play the whole album on his radio show. Yeah, his internet radio. Yes, it's not act. It's not like radio radio. It's internet radio streaming. 
So either way, back that to makes it more cringe, I think. So either way, back to Lips trying to shop around the new Anvil record. Kumi walks straight into Capitol Records to the front desk to drop it off. And it's like, that's not how it works. <laughs> you are so fucking senile, bro. He's the whole time he's talking about how yeah, this is what I gotta do. You know, someone someone's gotta hear this and see if there's something here. You know, when the music sounds this good. And then we're what? and now we're back in Canada. EMI Canada specifically. Uh and they're meeting with a con with a record representative contract dude. I just wrote down some executive. Yeah. Who says, Oh yeah, you know, if you play your cards right, you can make a lot of money with this band. I'm hey, like, All right. Yeah. And he's like, you know what? He listens to the record. And he says, It's a bit of a struggle. And Lip says, well, a major label should put this out because it's a crime if music this good doesn't get anything less. Music that sounds this good. So, I, just, I wrote down bro cringe. So the guy sends them on their way and later Lips gets an email from him being like, yeah, you're you're not what we're looking for. But good luck in the future. Uh, uh, and then Rob rants for a minute about how he hates the music industry and how it's all run by criminals. And then we go to Rob's sister and she just basically says... It's time to stop. Yeah. He says, like, literally, no, this was Lips' sister. Rob's sister was still kind of like, well, you know, it was, it was Lips. Oh, that was his wife. You know what? Yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. Like, yeah. there was like Rob's, there was Rob's sister and Rob's wife. And it literally, Rob's sister. Yeah, Lips' sister says, I'd love for Steve to get as famous as his dreams. And then Rob's sister is the one who's done. His wife is still supportive. His sister is done. She's, yeah, his sister's just like, yeah, it's over. They need to stop. It's been over like, for a long time. They've been in it for 30 years and they can maybe pack 100 30 people. 30 years, 13 albums. It's time to live in the real world. And they can only pack like 100 people into a bar. Fucking ouch, bro. I'm like, ha, ha. Oh, what a brutal documentary. But then Lips, you want to talk about delusional. Lips oh. is in the car driving and he said, you know what? The record's success, no matter if it's uh, if it sounds if it sells ten or ten million, it's the best we've ever sounded, and that's a success. Still Are you talking a personal success? Maybe. Homie's still gaslighting. Are so. you talking success like how you are talking about success? No, it is not. So what they do is they distribute the album DIY, I guess. They have a bunch of copies, and they're going to sell it out of the back of Lips' fucking van, I guess. I think they just have a website, and they're just like shipping it around around the world. They made a 1,000 CDs. Okay, I like to think Anvil could get rid of a 1,000 CDs. I would hope. Lips' wife on just talks for a bit about how Lips loves his family, and we see him playing with his kid in the backyard. But then Lips gets a call, and he's stoked. Why? Because they just got a gig in Japan. Some promoter in Japan, I think, heard the new record, and he wants them to play his festival. Here's the thing about this uh, documentary. They open up with, like, Anvil playing a good show in Japan. Yeah. They play a good, all right, festival in, like, Sweden, and they have, like, fans from Japan talk about, hey, we like, hey, I remember seeing you back in the day. We thought you were sick. You should totally come to Japan when there's an opportunity to. Well, <laughs> now we're here. So, Lip, and so they fly to Japan. Lips is like, oh, fuck, dude. Last time I was here was in my 20s. <laughs> oh, my God. Lips and Rob visit a shrine to have a moment of zen. I guess, like, they're hugging each other. They're trying to, you know, and they're generally just walking around for a while and they're stoked and happy. But then. They find out they're the first band on at 11.35 a.m. And he's stressing. He's like, well, will anyone show up? Will anyone care, basically? 
Oh my fucking god! What? What'd you see? You remember when I was just going like, yeah, you know, Anvil could totally get rid of like a thousand re- CDs, right? Sure, homie. They have three hundred fifty-three thousand eight hundred thirteen monthly listeners on Spotify. Who the fuck is listening to this band? <laughs> You know what? 350,000 different people. This documentary and streaming age, I think, gave them some life. I guess so. So, Lips and Rob are shooting up, are shooting up, are suiting up. They're not shooting up. I don't think they do drugs. No. Well, well, well they do, they do no, some no, Rob, Rob, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but they just do rock, rocker fucking party drugs. What? Smoking some weed, snorting some coke. So, Lips and Rob are suiting up, getting ready to go, tuning up, and then we cut to the day of the show. We see a bunch of folks are stoked to see Anvil, and then, yeah, they take the stage, place is packed. Yeah, People are at start- like 11.35 a.m., and I'm like, yeah. you know what? I'm just going to say it's most likely Japan. Where culturally they fucking are respectful and fucking mostly will try to show up for the whole show. Yeah. I'm sure there's a couple people that would say fuck that. <laughs> but majority are like, you know what? We're going to like a good amount of people. They literally open up. It's like, holy shit. There's actually people at like 1135 a.m. Yeah. They're actually stoked to see Anvil right now. Those people probably got a good night's rest. Yes. So yeah, they're all they're all there. They're all throwing up the horns for Anvil. And you want to know something funny? They start playing metal on metal. They don't even use the audio of this show. They use the audio of them playing the song from the eighties. So that tells me, was their their audio recording suck or did Anvil suck? Because Whoa, they literally Anvil sucks. Well, yeah, but they use the audio of their show from the '80s over their metal on metal. But whatever, they rock the house, and Lips closes us off with a little talk. He says, "How you know it's not about songs; it's about enjoying what you do, the relationships you have, the places you've been, and the experiences you've had." And then Lips points out, "Ooh, Godzilla!" And then that's our movie. Everybody, roll credits. Yeah, but there's shit in the credits that yeah. we could say. Obviously, the credits just tell us, like, you know what? They're working on their 14th record, and they're going to have CT again. And then their manager that quit the band settled down in Holland and is going to book a Southeast, Southeast Asia tour for the Scorpions. Yeah. Maybe. She, I guess she leveled up in life. So. And then Lips is just sitting there like, he, like this is the most truth of, like, Lips was just saying, he's like, you know what? I'm aware. I, like, have my 15 minutes of fame. But that 15 minutes of fame made me push for a 30 year career. And, you know, and he said, that's why he'll do the band till he's old. And I'm like, you know, he made that promise. Band's still going. It took till the end credits, but Lips was finally honest. Yeah, like Lips was finally not fucking crazy. And it it was just like, you know, I have my 15 minutes of fame, but you know what? We're doing a band for 30 years. And then a fucking slash again in the credits. It's just like, dude, what the fuck is this guy on? He says, you know, there isn't a lot of bands that like make it past 30 years. Like, yeah, there's the Rolling Stones and the Who and then Anvil. I'm like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> You're trying to compare Rolling Stones to Anvil to the Who. You know, Metallica made it to 30 years. Yeah. You know, I think a lot Slayer of Slayer made it to 30 years. Yeah, a lot of bands made it to 30 years. Yeah. <laughs> I think Korn's almost on 30. Oh, my God. But, you know what? I don't think that's a hard achievement. No. Ramstein's almost on 32. But, yeah, and Radiohead. Oh, and then the last thing they let us know is that that Prague but, club that okay. stiffed them on payment, yeah, they settled out in court for $100. 
Anvil, baby. And that that's Anvil. How the fuck do they dude they have over three hundred fucking They have three hundred Still putting out records, by the way, and I counted they just put out a record last year. Nineteen records. And three hundred thousand listeners on Spotify. I don't think I trust I don't trust Spotify numbers. <laughs> oh, shit, How the fuck does Anvil have that? Unless this documentary really helped their career. I don't know about that. I'm just going to throw up my hands in the air. I'm like, whatever, fuck it. Because he's like, Anvil sucks. And you know what? Maybe I, I should listen to Metal on Metal. Maybe. I think I tried, but I quit. I told you that, like, Metal on Metal's fine, but, like, their first four albums are really nothing that special. Now, the only thing, to, to tie this all up in a bow before we go, if I had to comment on Anvil's music seriously, I think when they do their speed mail shit, because here's the thing, I think if someone tries to tell me, oh, they're like a thrash band, kind of, or they're thrash for thrash, I'm like, no, not really. But, like, if you want to talk to me how they're a speed metal record, or you know what, I'll even give them the Motorhead thing. If you tried to tell me Anvil was like a rock and roll band, I would be much more receptive to that. But, honestly, I think they do their I think they do their speed metal shit just fine. Like, you know, he's a fast, you know, creative guy. But everything else is just kind of, he has some interesting riffs. But, like, the mid-stuff stuff's always lame. His vocals and lyrics have gotten worse. His lyrics have been uninspired for years. And it's just, they're, they, it just feels like they just do the same seven to nine songs over and over again. That's my issue with the Anvil. They never evolved. I don't feel like Lips has evolved as a guitar player in 40 years. 19 albums. 19 albums! Hitting over 40 years. And I showed you the opening track to the new one on Impact is Imminent, which the re- which the cover, everybody, is like a meteor, is an anvil flying through space like a meteor. It opens with a dude, with audio of a dude introducing Anvil to the stage. <laughs> Like, are you fucking joking? No, we're not. All right, listeners, I think it might be a good time to wrap this up. Yeah, let's go. We're about running on. All right, I don't don't think I have much else to say on the documentary other than... It's good. It's good. It's entertaining. It's definitely entertaining. Don't be Anvil. (laughs) Don't be Anvil. We need to figure out what we're going to watch. Actually, next time, listeners, it's going to be a special episode. We're going to derail for a little bit. Because next time, WWE has their premiere event, the Royal Rumble. The Royal Rumble. And this time, we are planning on not just your good host, James. And good host, Edward. But we're also going to bring Mr. Hot or Not live and in person. Jake Bones. And the roommate, Mr. Qualls. Good friend Qualls. Onto the show. And we're going to have a format that we'll figure out. But you know what? We'll keep that a surprise. Other than that, I know you wrestling nerds listen a little bit or check us out. It don't matter. All right. (laughs) Let's get the fuck out of here. This is the Triple D Radio Show with your boys, James and Edward. Hope you all have a good one. Adios.